Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Yo, what's up, fam? My name's Nathan. Thanks for crashing a party today. Everybody joining us online. Uh, let, me, uh, let me give you a challenge real quick. Before we dig into the Word, uh, I, I want to challenge you uh, as the church and as followers of Jesus uh, in response to the, the Supreme Court ruling this week. Um, I understand, like, Revo is a very diverse church um, across three campuses in three different cities, people watching from states all around. Um, I realize that that there are opinions about the issue on both sides of the issue, and those people call Revo Church home and uh, been rolling with us for a long time. Um, and so I, I think there's a, there's a good response, a good opportunity uh, that the church has today, and I want to make sure that we don't squander this opportunity. Uh, real talk, as far as the court decision is concerned, at this point, what side of the issue that you fall on is irrelevant. It's done. The decision has been made. What you're going to see in culture is people arguing and pitting against each other and arguing whether it was right or wrong or constitutional or not. Real talk, fam, that's sideways energy. It's not going to change anything. And it's going to pit you against people that Jesus has called us to reach. So don't, don't waste your time. Like don't, don't, get, don't move sideways when God's given us a mission and a purpose to move forward in. So that's what you're going to see in the world. You're going you're gonna to see people arguing and, and, and being against each other. And the church in the midst of that has a really, really big opportunity because the needed conversation that we need to have in our case is how we as a church and as followers of Jesus are going to continue to respond to the real need that is in front of us right now. So I want to challenge you with something and then I also want to thank you. Uh, for something. The first thing is, I, here's the challenge. We have to respond with kindness. When you meet somebody that thinks differently than you do, regardless of what side you think and in, in what you believe, when you meet people that think differently than you do, we have to respond with kindness. Like it's not going to do any good to tear people down and to make it personal and to, to demonize people around you. Those are people that God's called us to reach. All people that are far from God are people that God has called us to reach. And so in, in, instead of demonizing people and, and, and us against them or right versus wrong or, or constitutional or unconstitutional or federal versus state, instead of any of that, let's focus on what God's called us to do. And that's realize that there is a real need and a real person that is associated with this issue. There are women right now in our city that are contemplating abortion. And if you do the studies on, on why people do that, why someone, a, a woman would get to the point where they are seriously considering that, you, I mean, the stats are obvious. They say, I, I'm getting ready to go into a situation that I can't afford to have a baby right now. Uh, I'm scared. I feel like I'm alone. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't plan this, and so like, the change is, is, is like coming at me really fast. And so th these are real fears. These are real needs. We can't pretend like this doesn't exist, that it's not a real thing, and that it's not a real thing in our community. So what are we going to do about it? 
uh, we either going to talk about it or we're going to be about it. Like we're going to tear down and we're going to criticize or we're going to step in and make a difference. I don't know about you. I'm not, I'm not here to make a point. I'm here to make a difference. That's what I want to do. And you got to choose. You can either make a point and argue and ostracize yourself or you can step in and say, hey, there's a need that we can meet in the middle of this. And so that's how we're going to make a difference. That's how the church is going to make a difference. Uh, so, so please don't, don't think that this is just words on a page or, or an issue to argue over in court. These are real people with real fears and real problems. Can, families that are connected to that, that are struggling, that honestly feel like a freedom of theirs or, or something has been taken from them, and there's real emotions that, that are involved with that. Uh, and so as followers of Jesus, as a church, we got to see that as an opportunity uh, not, not to, to yell at the darkness, but to bring a light into the darkness to help people with legitimate needs um, that they have. Um, so please don't, don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the individuals that are associated with this and the different dynamics that come along with an unplanned pregnancy. Um, so that's my challenge for you. My thank you is, is this. Uh, Revo is going to continue to do what we've done for years now, thanks to your generosity. Um, Revo has, every year, we've partnered with pregnancy care centers, multiple care centers in Winston and in the triad, um, to help provide resources to essentially identify every reason why uh, women that are considering an abortion give uh, for the abortion and to try to meet that need. And I listed some of them, like, well, a lot of people aren't financially ready to start a family. So through your generosity, we get to partner with organizations that provide uh, emotional counseling, a, a connection for a woman that when they find this news and they, it is, is unwanted news in their life and unplanned news, someone can step in there and help be a resource for them completely free of charge. I don't know when the last time you've looked at counseling, but it is super expensive. But we can provide it for people free of charge. Um, for people that can't afford to have a baby, I mean, it's diapers, it's formula, it's clothes, it's a nursery, it's everything. We offer prenatal services that we, are completely free to people, um, showing them ultrasounds and like all kinds of things connected to women's health care, uh, both before and after the pregnancy. For women that keep the baby and then they're like, I, don't, I can't afford anything, these organizations provide them with, with everything from vouchers to grocery stores to food for their family, food for their baby, clothes, cribs, resources, toys, continued counseling after they've had the baby because it, the, like it doesn't go away for them. They're still processing those things. So we're stepping in in those categories as well. They even go as far as to say if a mom has to make the difficult decision that I am unable to keep this child, um, we even work with them through those organizations to provide uh, opportunities for adoption. We have families that are waiting right now um, to adopt kids if that mom has to make that difficult decision that I am just unable to provide and care for this baby at this time. We have staff members of ours that have gone through fostering, foster to adopt uh, pastors on our team that are currently going through uh, the fostering process in hopes of one day adopting. We have families in our church that would love to adopt, uh, that are looking for opportunities um, to, to, to step up in this way to serve. And um, so that's what we're going to do. We've continued to do that. Uh, we've done that in the past through your generosity, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to see a need and meet a need. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. Uh, we're not going to make a point. We're going to make a difference. I don't know how many other pithy ways I can say it, um, but that's what we're going to do. Um, so that's a big opportunity for the church, man. We're going to show kindness. 
we're going to understand that it is a real fear, a real need that we have right in front of us. And we're going to understand that God has given us exactly what we need right now to meet the need that he's placed in front of us. Um, so, I believe all eyes are on Christians right now. All eyes are on the church right now. And I, we are not, Revo is not going to drop the ball. We're not going to fumble it. Um, we're going to do what God's called us to do and uh, act in a way that points people towards Jesus and helps meet needs around us. And um, so I just want to thank you because you've, you've faithfully given and we've been able to provide these resources to people that needed it for, for years now. So thanks for your partnership. Uh, understand we got a huge opportunity, so let's be about what God has called us to do. No sideways energy. Let's, let's be about what God has called us to do and meet the need that's in front of us. Sound good? Let me pray. For, sound good? Okay, all right. We're going to do it whether you like it or not. So, <laughs> See a need, meet a need. <laughs> Let me pray for us. God, thanks for this opportunity. I really do believe this is an opportunity for us. And uh, God, we want to honor you with it. Uh, we want to meet needs that are around us. We believe that you have put us in this city at this time to meet needs that arise. And uh, God, we're going to do it generously, we're going to do it faithfully, and we're going to point people to your son, Jesus. And with eyes wide open, we're going to realize that we have a purpose and that you have a plan uh, and that we are just the, the middleman in this process. So God, help us to see needs and meet them. Uh, continue to give us a burden uh, for, for the needs that are around us, including families and women that are, are in the midst of turmoil right now. Uh, so, God, give us the boldness to do what we know we need to do uh, and to make your name famous here in Winston-Salem and beyond. I pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, that didn't count as my sermon time, did it? No, you better back that clock up. Add 10 more minutes to it. Um, let me tell you something about me. Uh, I am a, a creature of habit, uh, definitely. I don't know if you're like a creature of habit. Like the S word for me, the S word that's a cuss word in my life is spontaneity. Uh, I want nothing to do with spontaneity. I want everything planned. Every morning I get up and I drink the same coffee drink from the same coffee shop every single morning. Rain or shine, it doesn't matter. I, I do it. I'm, like, I, I don't, I don't want to change. Um, that's me. Um, so many things about my life I, I think about. I, I hate change, don't like change, want to avoid change at, at all costs. Uh, I get up at the same time every morning. Every morning, even without an alarm clock. And uh, like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And you may hear that and be like, man, that would be awesome. It's actually a terrible curse. Um, because there's, sometimes on Friday night, I'll, I'll look at Elizabeth and I'll say, hey, I, you gonna, I know y'all are going to sleep in. Tomorrow, I think I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. Uh, I think I'm going to, like, no, no alarm. I, I wake up every morning without an alarm. Don't need an alarm. And so Saturday morning, I'm going to sleep in. And uh, I tell Elizabeth that. And, and my body winks and says, that's what you think. And uh, same time, every morning, I get up. Doesn't matter if it's a holiday, Saturday, doesn't matter. Uh, I, I, like, I guess I'm just a, a creature of habit. Uh, three or four new restaurants recently opened up in, in the area in which we live. And I told Elizabeth, I said, man, we need to try these restaurants, man. A lot of great places popping up. Uh, I want to know what they're all about. And um, so we, like, we're researching them, and they got the signs now hiring and now open. And, you know, we went out to eat the other day. You know where we went? None of those new places. <laughs> we went to the same Italian restaurant that we always go to. You know what happened when we walked in there? The waitress said, uh, would, you, would you like to hear the daily specials? Nope. <laughs> I don't. I already know what I'm going to eat. I'm that guy that, like, I don't need to look at the menu. They're going to bring the menu down. They're going to put the menu down. And they're going to say, I'll get your drink order, and then I'll come back. And I, once you had an opportunity to look at the menu, and I'll get your food order. I'm like, nah, we're good. Like, I can tell you what I want right now, and you can just bring it all at one time. 
like I, I'm, that's just me. I'm a creature habit. Eat at the same places. Like once I find a favorite, this is my favorite. Like there's no reason to change. Like you know how much of a big risk it would be for you to order something different on the menu? What if it doesn't taste good? Then you're going to be filled with regret the rest of the night. Now, I can't believe I fell for the chef special uh, that they gave instead of just doing what I know is always right. Like if, if it ain't broke, like don't fix it. That, like that, that's, that's a motto in my life. And for us, man, you know, isn't there something comfortable with predictability? You know, it, it's when change enters our life where things get unpredictable that we start to panic. Uh, where, where, where we don't like understand like what, what is change and, and I don't want it to change and what are the ramifications of change? Like even if there's a possibility that the change is good, oftentimes the, the fear around the change will cause us to, to balk at the change. I, I talked to a guy this week who told me that he got a raise at his job. He said, I'm, I'm, same job, same company, same position. I just got a raise and he was nervous about it. So why are you so nervous about it? He said, man, I'm starting to think that if I get a raise, the level of responsibility is going to go up. And even though I'm in the same position doing the same thing, I'm probably going to be under a microscope now. And every little mistake that I make, they're going to be like, man, back when you were making that, it wasn't no big deal. But now you're the highest paid guy here. And what if they start asking me to, to come in on the weekends? And what if they want to come in early and stay late some? And this guy is literally thinking in his mind, he's like, I might turn the raise down because I don't know what's associated with it. Like, they may want more. And the unpredictability, like, I know it could be a couple of extra dollars an hour. The salary could go up. But what if other stuff changes that I don't like? Like, we're just adverse to change. Even if there's a possibility that the change could bring something that's good and strong and healthy in our life, oftentimes we will say no to it because we're so comfortable in where we are right now. We don't want to experience regret. We don't want to be disappointed in life, so we'll settle for what we have right now. I could take a risk and my life could be better, uh, but I think I'm good. I think I'll just, I'll just play it safe. This entire teaching series, we've talked about changes. The changes that, that we encounter in life, changes in your marriage, changes in your finances, changes in your relationship with God and, and in your family as moms and dads. We've even talked about how change can be a really good thing that we should embrace. And next week, we're going we're gonna to close down this, this changes series. But, but this week, I want to talk about, about something in particular. Uh, what happens when there is a change in your life that you didn't want? What happens when the changes that you experience are unplanned and unwelcomed? What do you do at that moment? Because here's what I know. Change is inevitable. Change is unavoidable. You are always going to have change. And there is going to be change in your life that you're not going to like. So how will you respond when there's negative change? When change just comes out of nowhere? You, you ever experienced a change that just like, it happened unplanned like you did not see it coming just change just punches you in the gut leaves your head spinning there's been times as a christian where i've experienced change and and honestly like i've looked at god and i'm like for real god like to me like i'm out here trying to do the right thing man i'm trying to follow you i'm trying to be faithful I, I'm, I'm trying to accomplish what you call me to do and then you gonna let this happen you can let this change, and you, you get winded, and you, you're, you're, your head's spinning. You're like, what's next? What's going on? Why is it happening? What, what's happening? Why is it happening to me? I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've felt that a lot over this past season. So how do we, as followers of Jesus, handle change in our life that is unwanted? 
that is unwelcome, that we did not see it coming, that really we back up and say, this is actually going to be detrimental to my life. I would not have chosen this, God, if you would have asked me. We get an example from that in the text that we're going to look at today. We're going to do Joshua chapter 1. The book of Joshua is in the Old Testament. It's the sixth book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua chapter 1. As you're flipping there, all the notes will be in the app if you have it open. I want to to kind of give you a a, a background of of where we're heading. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, First five books of the Bible, one of the main characters that we see is a guy by the name of Moses. Remember Moses? Uh, Moses was the ten plagues, right? Uh, when, when he was getting the people out of slavery in Egypt, Moses, his, his mom gave birth to him and tried to hide him and then put him in a basket, floated down the Nile River. That's, that's Moses. Remember Moses in the Red Sea? You know, he, he stuck his staff up in the air and, and they were being chased by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And the people go through the Red Sea and then they get on dry land and then the Pharaoh and his people get in the Red Sea and God's like, whoop. Like, all the water goes down, kills all of them, saves him. That, that Moses. Remember Ten Commandments, Moses? Pretty big deal, right? Um, all kind of stories of where Moses goes. And I, and, and I would argue um, that Moses is the greatest leader in all of the Bible. Now, I know that's not what you learned in Sunday school. I know that whoever taught you Sunday school said, anytime there's a question about the Bible, Jesus is the answer, right? Who's the greatest leader in the Bible? Jesus is. So I get it, but I'm going to... I'm Pun on your Sunday school teaching, I'm going to say, I believe Moses is the greatest leader in all of the Bible. Thousands of books on leadership have been written about Moses just in these first five books of the Bible and his story that we read here. And so Moses was a larger than life, did incredible things through God's hand and led these people uh, for, for 40 years there on this journey to what's called the promised land. God took them out of slavery and now has given them a place to call home. And Moses has been at the head of that the whole time. And, and at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, right before Joshua starts, they are th- these people, God's people, are, are, are on the border of the promised land. Scripture tells us they're on one side of the Jordan River, and just across the river they can see the place that God gave them. This is our new home. We're getting ready to sign the papers on this. This is getting ready to be ours and, and tomorrow, we can see it. It's going to be great. And at the, at the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 34, something happens. An unwanted, unplanned for, terrible, no good, very bad change hits God's people. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5, it says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. Died right there in Moab. Didn't even make it to the promised land, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Poor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was, was over. Right here on the edge of it. You talk about an exciting time for the people of God, like everything is going great right now. We're getting ready to get our home. And scripture says, right then, Moses died. It was a sudden and unplanned and unwanted death. I mean, the Bible even tells us um, Moses, his eyesight was still good. He had strength. You know, sometimes when when people die, older people die in our life, it makes it a little easier. If if you see them kind of trailing off at the end and they're struggling with their health, like sometimes you can get to the point where you're just like, man, God, like I, I I don't want them to suffer anymore. And they're living a, a hard life, and, 
and pain is just part of their day every day. And you begin to see them, and it's almost like they're, they're just a shell of the person that you remember what they, what they once were. Not Moses. Like, th- this came out of nowhere. Like, like, people weren't feeling sorry for Moses. Scripture tells us he had, his eyes were just as good at 120 years as it was when he were 20. Man, some of y'all in here are like 35, and y'all already wearing glasses. Not Moses. Wasn't no downhill for him. He was 120 years old. Nothing that he couldn't do at 120 that he was doing at 20 years old. Like, still strong, still going hard at it. This would have been unplanned at Moses, our great leader. Now, all of a sudden, on the, on the cusp of greatness and something that God had for them life, he dies. Now's the time to hit the panic button. Now's the time to say, what are we going to do? Now's the time to think, man, our world is falling apart. Like, we didn't see this coming. This change is, is really tough right now. So what was their response? What did these people do when unwanted, unplanned for change reared its ugly head in, in their life? How did they respond? The Bible tells us that for, for 30 days they mourned. For 30 days they had a funeral. For 30 days. They, they prayed and they worshipped and they connected with God and they remembered Moses. And, and, and for 30 days they did it. And that's how the book of Deuteronomy ends. And it gives us the first insight for us. What do we do when unwanted, unplanned change happens in our life. we got to do the first thing that Joshua did and, and the people of Israel did. If you're taking notes, jot this down. When unplanned, unwanted change occurs in our life and turns your life upside down, your first response is you need to dig in and spend some time with God. Spend time with God. I love that these people, they did not scheme. They did not panic. They did not elect a new leader. Uh, they did not sit down and say, all right, guys, now we need a strategy. They didn't say, well, should we pull the plug on the promised land? Should we, should we turn around and go back to slavery in Egypt? Like, we need to put our heads together. We need to get it now. It says that even though their entire life felt like it was crumbling around them, for 30 days they just hit the pause button so that they could connect with God. Hey, God, we need to hear from you. We need to know what we need to do. God, how should we respond? How do we need to react? What do we need to say? What do we need to do? God, this hit me out of nowhere, but I need to hear from you right now. Shouldn't be a surprise to you that in Joshua chapter 1, after 30 days of seeking the Lord, here's what happened. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, his right-hand man, he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Change is unavoidable in life. Change is going to happen. It almost seems like God's a little bit crass here. Because <laughs> after 30 days of mourning, first thing God says, he looks at Joshua and he's like, hey, Moses is dead. Like, really? <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. Moses is dead. And hey, Joshua, you should have seen that coming. Everybody dies. Change is unavoidable. Everybody in this room is going to die. You're going to have people in your life that die. Like, no one lives forever. Moses was not going to lead forever. Moses is dead and the danger for us is we like to stop right there when our life begins to crumble when unwanted unplanned change begins to hit us it's very easy for us to stop right where God said Moses is dead 
For us, we like to say, man, there's a part of my life, my future, my hopes, my dreams. As a result of this unwanted, unplanned change, it feels like my dreams are dead. My future is dead. It is gone. And we begin to have a pity party. We begin to get anxious. We begin to worry about the future because Moses is dead. But I want you to listen. Like, God didn't stop at Moses is, is dead. Like, we can't stop at Moses is dead because eventually God says, now then. <laughs> I love that. I mean, if you got your Bible, you need to highlight that, star it, underline it, put a smiley face by it, memorize it. Because there are points in your life where it'll be easy to get bogged down and Moses is dead when God is looking at you and saying, yeah, but now then, get up. Get up. I still got a plan. Yeah, but Moses is dead. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, but Moses had a plan. Yeah, but I'm still here. It leads us into this, this next, next idea that, that we get as, as leaders change, but God doesn't. People can change in your life, but God doesn't. Finances change, God doesn't. Situations and plans change, God doesn't. Like God begins to establish in, in Joshua, hey man, you need to understand something. Like A lot of stuff can happen in your life, but when you get to the point where you realize that God never changes, you'll begin to see something happen. Those other things in your life that seem like really big deals, where the change was going to like shake you to your core, when you put God in the right perspective in your life, you'll realize that those changes and those problems around you get smaller and smaller and smaller. And people began to say, yeah, but a lot's changed. And God's like, yeah, not really. Yeah, not, not really a lot. I'm still here. I'm still with you. I'm, I'm, I'm still moving. Leaders change, but... God doesn't. Joshua, I'm still with you. In fact, God continues to explain this and build out on this in verse 3. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, just like I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Have I not commanded you? You'll be prosperous and successful. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here's the second thing. This is what happens. If you'll, if you'll hit the pause button when the world is changing, and you'll spend some time with God. I'm telling you, this is what God will do. The next step, to write this down. You spend time with God, God will give you his perspective. God will change the perspective that you have about the world that's changing around you. L listen to what it says in verse 3. God says, I'm going to give you the land just like I told Moses I would give him. Yeah, Moses is not here. So, I'm, I'm still here. I'm still true. I'm still faithful. I, I told you I would do it yesterday. I haven't changed. I'll still do it again today. Verse 5, he says, I will be with you just like I told you I'd be with Moses. Yeah, but Moses isn't here anymore. So, I'm still here. I promised Moses I would be with him. I'll promise you I'll be with you. Nothing's changed. I haven't changed. I'm still faithful. I'm still good. I'm still loving. I'm still kind. I still have a plan. I still have a purpose for you. 
God begins to unpack. You know, really, I, it seems like life's changing a lot, but not a lot has changed because I'm still, I'm still here. Verse 6, I swore to your ancestors to give them this land. And guess what? I'm going to give it to you. I told them I would give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Why? Because I'm still faithful. I still got a plan and a purpose. Verse 9, I will be with you wherever you go. There's a theme here. People change. God doesn't. Leaders change. God doesn't. The world changes. God doesn't. Your situation changes. God doesn't. He's still true. Like, do you understand how powerful that is? When you can come to grips with the reality that God will never change, he is faithful and true and kind and loving and compassionate and has a plan and has a purpose for you no matter what happens in the world around you. You see how if you grasp that mentality, all of a sudden your struggles and pains and problems and the changes around you will get smaller as you make God bigger in your life? God's just reminding Joshua, hey man, I got you. I got this. I know it's crazy. I know Moses is dead, but I'm still here. I still got a plan. I still have a purpose. But let's chase that out a little bit. Because the moment that I realized that God still has a plan, that God is still in control, then that brings some questions to my mind. It can actually make going through difficult change even worse. Imagine that, like knowing that God was in control and that makes it even worse in your life. Because here's, here's what we want to do. We want to ask the question, if God is good and God is in control, then why are bad things happening? Why do we have bad changes in life? If you're telling me that God is a, like if you told me that God accidentally fell asleep at the wheel for like a split second and the world took a hard right or a hard left and now we're in the ditch, but you told me that God was going to get back to it, like I would understand. All right, okay, fine. God was out of control just for one second and, and that's why we ditched it, but, but he's going to bring us back so it's all good. But you mean to tell me we are where we are today and things are happening in my life and in the world and you mean to tell me that God is good and loves me and he's been in control this whole time? Well, then why did he let it happen? Why are we in the position that we're in right now? But the scriptures tell us that change is not always good, but God can always use the changes for our good. Yeah, but Nathan, I'm facing some, some tough changes, some unwanted, unplanned changes. Let me read Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The Bible does not say that all things are good. The Bible says God takes all things, the unwanted things, the unplanned things, the changed things, the hurtful things, the desperate things, the things that we think are, are not beneficial for our life. If you will trust God with it, then God can take all those things and turn them into good things. I understand they're not good right now, but God can change them. God can take the bad and turn it into good, but you got to let him work it. Like you're in the process, in the middle, sometimes in life, where you're just like, man, it's, it doesn't look good. Let God work it. He promises that if we'll trust him with it. What about some things that are happening in our world? What about when it seems like evil is winning and, and there are adverse effects in our life? Negative things happen as a result of decisions of sinful, broken, hurting people in our world. What about that? What, what about when we just feel like we're collateral damage from somebody doing something dumb and making a sinful decision? Remember Joseph? Man, just, just go back to Genesis. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, thrown into a pit. He was falsely accused of, of rape, forgotten and forsaken. 
And yet by the end of his life, Joseph was the most powerful man in the entire nation of Egypt. How'd that happen? Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God can take sinful, broken people and the actions that they do and turn them around for his good and for yours. That's the story of Joseph. And when we look at a world that has negative effects on us and the changes that are, that are happening, we've got to come at that point where we just realize, hey, we're going to repeat Genesis 52. You intended it to harm me, but God took that and turned it into my benefit. God used that as an opportunity for me to know him more and to grow in that relationship with him. Story closes out with verse 10. God gives Joshua this pep talk, reminds us of of some things, gives him a fresh perspective. And verse 10 says, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is given for you to own. Last thing I want you to jot down is this. When we got unwanted, unplanned change, you spend time with God. God gives you a different perspective, but here's your action step. We got to learn, number three, to trust God no matter what. Moses is dead, and Joshua's like, you know what? We're going to trust God no matter what. Moses isn't here anymore. That's fine. God's still faithful, and we're still going to follow him. Trust God no matter. This is what I know regardless of the change that happens in your life, good change or bad change, every single change in your life is a test of your faith. You lose your job, how are you going to respond? You still going to trust God? What happens when you get a better job and all of a sudden your income increases? You still going to trust God? Is he who you're going to rely on? You going to honor him through the thick and the thin? Man, it's easy to, to really dial into God when life's hard, right? Everybody wants to pray and go to God when life is difficult, but what happens when life's going well? You still going to trust him? You still going to believe in him? You you still going to follow him? Everything that happens around us, every change is a testing of our faith. The Bible actually tells us that. 1 Peter 1, 7 said, These troubles test your faith and prove that it's pure. Every day you wake up and there are changes that you face. Some changes are good, some changes are bad. Some seem like a detriment, others seem to propel you towards your destiny. And God said, all of it is a test. I want to test you. I want to see if you'll stay on board. I want to see if you'll continue to believe. I want to see if you'll continue to trust me. All of this, man, what if you realize that? What if you realize every day of your life is a test of your faith? The words that you say, what you do with your time, your talent, and your treasures, how you treat people that are different than you and far from you, even how you respond to the change in your life that was unplanned and unwanted, that seemed to come out of nowhere and kick you in the gut. What are you going to do? All of it is a test. And I'm so glad that, that Joshua, after spending time with God and getting his perspective, said, you know what? God has not changed. We can still trust him. His promises are still true. He is still faithful. He will continue to bless. He will continue to make a way. And I'm going to choose to put my trust in him. Man, what a challenge for us today in the midst of a world that is drastically changing. Some of the changes you did not see coming. And if anybody would have asked you ahead of time, you would have said, no, not for me. Now's the time. Now's the time to trust. Now's the time to lean in. 
Now's the time to look at God and say, no matter what, good or bad, feast or famine, up or down, easy or hard, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with it. Great example uh, from the word today. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for this reminder from your word that seems like sometimes the world is spinning out of control. Uh, We don't know up from down, right from left. seems like everything is in flux. Things can change day to day and have drastic impacts on our faith, on our families, on our job, on our security, on our comfort. God, distractions seem to be coming out of everywhere. God, I just, I pray that you would help us to, to have the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we've just heard, to be able to learn from this story and to remind ourselves right now that even in the midst of change, you never change. You are the constant. You are true. You are faithful. You are good. You still have a plan and a purpose for us today. God, give us the boldness to do what we need to do in response to that and to trust you no matter what happens around us. Pray and ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.